Welcome back to the Argentina Project Podcast at the Wilson Center's Latin American program. I am your host, Benjamin Gadan. Today, Jordana Timmerman, a Buenos Aires-based journalist, joins me to discuss her recent New York Times op-ed on how Argentina has avoided social unrest despite mammoth economic challenges and deep political polarization. Jordana Timmerman, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Thank you for having me. Jordana, your most recent New York Times op-ed had a pretty provocative title, Por que no explota Argentina? Why hasn't Argentina exploded? The reference, of course, is to some sort of social unrest like we saw in much of Latin America in 2019. And it's even worse what you were kind of hinting as a possibility, which was that it would resemble 2001, where Argentina really exploded um, in a profound way, both economically and politically. This was, of course, a $100 billion default, the worst in history up to that moment, you know, explosive poverty, several presidents in succession resigning, and an economic you know, challenge that lasted for years. In this case, you point out in the New York Times that a lot of the ingredients seem to be back, right? We see poverty exceeding 35%, inflation over 40%, despite three years now of recession consecutively, and yet again, a debt crisis and another default. So um, answer the question that you pose in your op-ed, Por que no explota Argentina? Well, it stemmed from a conversation that I was having with my co-writer in the op-ed, Marcelo Garcia, who I worked with in 2001 at the Buenos Aires Herald. He was working there and I was an intern more specifically. Um, and we were drawn to the fact that because the indicators are so bad, so what makes this different? And I think the reason we always reference 2001 in Argentina is that it's kind of a benchmark, you know, like, well, 2001, that's, that's when you hit rock bottom. That's when presidents start resigning, money you had in the bank ceases to have any meaning. It's kind of like everything stops being, everything you thought was tangible and rock solid stops being so. So when we, when we say crisis of 2001, we mean that. We mean so many people are angry on the streets that there's no governability. We mean that things stop working, not just poverty, not just economic recession, sort of a massive social, economic, political explosion. And we're saying, you know, things are pretty bad here. And we're not seeing that. We're seeing some protests. We're seeing a lot of poverty. We're seeing a lot of horrible issues that need to be addressed. But there's not this massive explosion of anger on the streets. And we think there are two reasons for that. One is a policy of cash transfer subsidies in addition to other social assistance policies, um, which were implemented starting with Nestor Kirchner's government, but really expanded and maintained by subsequent governments. And while it's not surprising that the Peronist governments would deploy this kind of policy, it's perhaps more surprising that they were maintained by Mauricio Macri's government and that they haven't been significantly challenged by the opposition. It's kind of one of those things where we don't talk about it or we support them. And that's rare in Argentina, as you know. Almost, almost nothing gets that kind of tacit support, even though we're not, we're not all coming out to embrace it necessarily, but few things are unchallenged in that way in Argentine politics. Let me just ask you, Jordana, before you get to the second reason, I was interested, I mean, certainly when you talk about those kind of social supports, it makes a big difference in you know, the way people are experiencing this particular recession in Argentina and the economic fallout of this endless, more than 100-day 
quarantine that you're living through in Buenos Aires. But it's also one of the reasons for the recurrent crises in Argentina, right? The, the spending levels of the government uh, causing high deficits and debt that sort of bring about the crises. So I wonder if that's both the cause of crisis and a buffer on some of the social tensions. I'm not a full-on economist or an economist of any kind, really. So I don't think I can speak to that specifically. But the numbers we're talking about on these cash transfer programs are not the ones that are provoking deficit, from what I understand. And right now, they've been significantly expanded in the midst of the pandemic. And I think it's definitely keeping control of what would be a very desperate situation, what is already a desperate situation, but would be absolutely untenable for families who can't access food. So I don't, I don't know that this is really the weak point of that policy. I think there are other spe- government spending issues that maybe people would target first. Got it. And your, your second explanation. Well, the other factor, and this one was kind of counterintuitive when we were talking about it, was in 2001, there was this sensation of anger towards the entire political class, which is why the que se vayan todos, they should all leave. And there was sort of, I remember we'd all sit together with Marcelo and would sit around at night and we'd be like, well, who could you pick? And you'd be like, well, there's no one. There's just no one you could support. And that's not happening right now. And in part, that's because of this intense political polarization and strong political projects that have come forth in the wake of 2001. Kirchnerismo as sort of a big political project and Macrismo, which in its own way is also a very strong political project. And so I think people are satisfied with the political answers. They just want their party to win and govern. So there, there isn't this desire for everyone to leave, just for the other side to leave within the realm of the possible. Yeah, I thought that was a great, a great phrasing in your piece that you want, you want people out, but it's, it's the opposition now that you want out. It's not every political actor that sort of political nihilism that left the, you know, such a void in terms of governance during those difficult months. And I think that's a strength of Argentine democracy right now. Although polarization is too intense and it does affect governability right now, I think it's gone too far. And even what seem to be very reasonable proposals on issues that we do all agree need to be addressed, like judicial reform, which I think really most parties in Argentina do agree there needs to be some form of judicial reform. Um, we don't seem to be able to sit down and talk about it. As, as we saw this week, judicial reform just kind of fell straight along party polarization lines instead of being a real discussion, even though there have been prominent voices on both sides of the political spectrum that have admitted over the past couple of years that we really need some kind of judicial reform. One of the things that you don't mention that, that I thought seems to be kind of a subtext to a little bit of, of your explanation is political learning. The idea that Argentines who've experienced 2001, which was not that long ago, don't want to return to that kind of trauma. I mean, you get the sense that some of this is we're going to tolerate the opposition to a point because the alternative is just political chaos and an even worse economic conditions. I mean, we're going to tolerate the opposition because that's what you do in a democracy. And I think that Argentines have a very strong affection for their democracy, even though we're critical of it, we're also very proud of it. And I do think that, as you say, there's political learning and that while 2001 had a lot of positive outcomes, not to say the least the political projects that we now are very fond of, I think we're also very cautious about sort of diving back into that pool again. 
had a strong cost on every social, political, economic level. And I don't think anybody would take that step lightly, including citizens. The Argentine economy was in you know, dire straits before the coronavirus. I mean, there was a lot of fragility throughout Latin America. It had been coming off pretty slow period since, you know, 2014. Um, but Argentina was an extreme case where the debt crisis already existed, right? Two years, as you point out in your article, two years of recession. There were a lot of questions actually in 2019 about why Argentina wasn't exploding when there were massive protests in Bolivia, in Ecuador, there was political crisis in Peru, in Venezuela. Um, the explanation at the time was, well, there's this escape valve, this pressure valve of the election. And so Argentines are focused on the election. But if things stay bad in 2020, and of course, we didn't know how bad they would get because of the pandemic, then Argentina really would be in, in social unrest. So it's even more surprising, I think, what you're describing than simply looking at the pandemic. Well, I think that that's actually, I was, I also believed in the electoral escape valve, actually. And I thought it was interesting to watch protests erupt all around the region and not in Argentina. Argentines do like looking at the region and seeing where they kind of are doing well. So it's always a pleasure. Although I think what happened was that we should have added a coda to that. The escape valve of the election worked. And after that, it depended on political strength. And I think Alberto Fernandez has shown a lot of political strength, despite the negative situation he inherited and the negative situation that sort of fell upon him with the pandemic. And again, it goes back to a lot of state policies that are helping contain people's desperation. The IFE, it's an emergency cash payment to people who are informally employed. It's 10,000 pesos. It's not a huge amount, but it's enough to help keep people sort of contained. And it's reaching nearly 9 million people right now. And I think the government has taken a very strong stance in being as helpful to citizens as it can. I've heard pretty good feedback on responses to people who weren't getting the payment or how they can make the payment get to people who aren't in the banking system. There's been a lot of government effort expended on trying to get money into the hands of people who really need it to stay home or who have lost their jobs. And I think that's, I mean, that is helping to contain it. And I think also the fact that this is a global issue and it's very obviously a global issue. This is something fully out of the control of this government. Some countries are doing it better, possibly, because of luck or because of demographics. I mean, Uruguay is amazing. But Argentina is not doing badly compared to other of, of its neighbors. And I think that is also helping contain sort of expectations around us. Jordan, if we were having this conversation maybe six weeks ago, I think everything you're saying would have been hard to dispute. The president, there was a sort of rally around the flag phenomenon. There was very high levels of support for the quarantine. Popularity of a president who was elected with less than 50% of the vote in October was up to 80% in most polls, right? And now we're reverting to not quite the grieta, this division that you referenced earlier. Um, we're still seeing the mayor of Buenos Aires, as you referenced in your piece, in the same press conferences with a president of the governing party the governor of the province of Buenos Aires, also of the governing party. But yet the president's approval ratings have dropped significantly um, back to, I think, where they were even before the pandemic. So what I want to question is this idea that Argentina now is settled into this two-party system and we should expect stability in Argentine politics despite the economic trauma. Um, it seems like you could make the case that actually Argentina is quite vulnerable to an outsider third-party candidate if in fact this government, maybe for no fault of its own, simply can't overcome these enormous obstacles 
from the recession related to the coronavirus. And then you'll have had two governments in a row fail spectacularly in the economic management. And Argentines will naturally say, well, what else is offered? I think that could go a lot of ways. I do think we're very vulnerable to a potential political crisis. Um, we're definitely walking on the edge. There have been successes. But as you say, the economic indicators are very bad. There's a tremendous amount of poverty. Um, Fernandez's popularity ratings have dropped, as have other presidents in the region, sort of as the crisis takes its toll everywhere in the region. It's hard to maintain any level of popularity because there's not a lot of good news you can give For sure. realistically. Um, so I think, as you say, through no fault of his own, there might be there might, we are still vulnerable to a potential crisis that of greater proportions than the one we find ourselves in right now, for sure. As to whether an outsider would come in, I think that could be debated. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the outsider phenomenon. It can go well. I think Nestor Kirchner in 2003 is an excellent example. He was very unknown in politics. He was known within a small Peronist circle. And I mean... Different people have their take. I think it went extremely well. I think it was a force for good in Argentina. And I think it changed a lot of things um, for the good. Um, so I think that was a positive. But generally speaking, the rise of outsiders right now in the region has been negative for people, for politics and their countries. Um, I would hope that wouldn't happen right now in Argentina. A political crisis could also not lead to the rise of an outsider, but also strengthen hardline politicians within the existing parties. So we could see the same parties remain or the same movements remain, but more hardline figures less willing to dialogue, which I think would also make governing increasingly difficult in Argentina and eventually weaken our democratic institutions. Jordana, before we conclude, I mean, that path obviously would put in risk governability to some degree. But is your sense of confidence in the political maturity of Argentina and the political learning we talked about earlier such that you think we wouldn't see a real political breakdown, political violence, um, resignations of leaders before their terms, that, that sort of Argentina has moved beyond that, even if the politics get a bit more hardline in crisis? I would hope that it wouldn't happen. Um, I would like to hope that we've moved past that and that we'll be able to find at least a reasonable midway ground to legislate and debate actual laws and policies that we can enact. Um, but sometimes it feels like that isn't happening and I'm not sure where that would go if we can't find that ability to discuss sort of even a minimum. Jordana Timmerman is a journalist and political analyst in Buenos Aires, Argentina. She is the co-author of a recent New York Times op-ed, Por que no explota Argentina? Why isn't Argentina exploding? It was published on the 28th of July of this year. Jordana, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Thank you, Benjamin. Thank you for listening to the Argentina Project podcast. This episode was produced and edited by Oscar Cruz. For more on this subject, visit our website, wilsoncenter.org slash LAP.